Greetings and welcome back to episode number 66 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Today I have PR Pro Ashley Graham, not that Ashley Graham, not the supermodel Ashley Graham, but a different Ashley Graham. She is just as fabulous. We talk about PR, conscious communications. We talk about pitching yourself and just some general notes on how to navigate the world through your brand voice. This was a really insightful episode and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's the episode. He's my aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited today to be chatting with Ashley Graham. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the pod. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. We're so excited. And we've been kind of colleagues, I guess, friends in the same area um, within the San Diego market. And you've recently moved since then. Um, But because it's some of the networking groups that we were in, and this is a very long awaited conversation because I have yet to have a PR professional on the podcast. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, who you help, and how you help them? Absolutely. So my name is Ashley Graham, and I call myself a founder, executive publicist, as well as a conscious leader. As for who I help on the PR front is I work with conscious thought leaders. So leaders, executives, coaches, authors, anybody really in the conscious creative space, who are looking to be known for their voice, the things that they want to speak about, whether through written word, verbal word, I act as their publicist to basically get that voice, their creations, their work recognized in media outlets such as podcasts, TV and radio, digital publications, contributing um, article opportunities, basically everything that kind of fits within that authority and recognition space. Love that. Love that. And I know you've got kind of a a whole storyline, of course, to where you are now because you've been at it for a while. So take us all the way back to the beginning. Were you always interested in PR? Like back high school, college days, did you know that that's what you wanted to go into? I didn't know that PR was going to be the avenue specifically. I knew it was going to be somewhere within the marketing umbrella. So when I was a senior in high school, which is always kind of when I date back to, which is crazy to even think that my mind was already thinking in the entrepreneurial realm then because I had no idea what I wanted to do. When it came my senior year of high school, I was like, oh my gosh, the the pressure's on. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do after this? But I had an epiphany and a lot of this was influenced from a teacher that I had who was a marketing teacher took a course or took a class to kind of fit my curriculum because it was the only thing that made sense. Next thing you know, my experience working with the teacher led me down a path that has been my thought process and my course of career for 13, 14 years. So I always date it back to then, but I guess it's like how I, how I officially got started in entrepreneurship, I did have a few in-house positions after I graduated with my bachelor's of science degree in marketing and management that gave me a whole perspective of what it was like to work in a startup environment. So I learned everything from payroll processing, HR, hiring. I had to fire somebody at one point, which was an extremely uncomfortable situation. I learned everything from brand marketing, social media, and then PR was um, kind of the thing that really well-rounded out my resume. And that's really where I feel that my personality kind of fit most. It was everything from building relationships with people online, having a little bit more of creative control on writing things and writing pieces, and really portraying a brand or an individual the way that... I wanted them to be recognized at the tail end of that through pieces or whatever the conversation looked like. So trying to bring it back full circle, I really kind of fell within the PR space probably, let's see, it's been like six or seven years ago when I finally felt that that was like my avenue. But the great thing about PR is it does um, exude everything from marketing as well. It kind of all connects together. So. 
Absolutely. And building a brand, as I'm sure that we'll cover in this podcast at some point, is that great machine of all of those little bits and pieces working together, right? This is what we talk about on the podcast all the time is that a logo can never communicate all the things that you want to say about a brand in just the logo artwork. That's close to impossible, right? <laughs> the same way that photography can't or even copywriting can't. So it's all of those different cogs of that machine that work together that give you that brand feeling and PR and marketing and you know, press is part of that. Um, so we'll definitely cover that, but I'd love to hear from you. And we've been doing this on the podcast and with my clients as well, all of your services, because you've evolved, you've been at this for six or seven years. I was totally snooping your website before this as well. And you've got lots of different tiers of how people can work with you. So can you walk us through your services from freebie to bite size to bread and butter to VIP? Absolutely. So kind of my, I'm going to start with the bread and butter because this is just really kind of how, you know, high level PR works to get the best value for the client as well as the publicist or a PR agency to kind of thrive in their environment. So I work primarily in done for you PR services. And that's basically a program where a client will retain me as their as their executive publicist to kind of manage all of their campaigns, help them build out the story, as well as actually being the person who's facilitating the message to get the placement. So that is my bread and butter. But one thing about my personality is I love to have as many touching points with people and being of support, even for individuals or companies or brands that can't retain a publicist. I do have DIY options where I'm kind of bringing my expertise to the forefront, teaching them how to do it so that way they can have the same impact and results as my retainer clients do. So one of the things that I really love right now is my podcast pitching bundle, which is basically everything around crafting the perfect pitch to send to a podcast host to then get the conscious conversation started so that way they can get their voice heard on podcasting platforms. Tell us a little bit about why podcasts. What what do you think is drawing yourself and your clients to wanting to be on more podcasts? I'm going to start with my perspective first, but I think podcasts are such a unique way to bring a conversation to the forefront. And I always kind of contribute it to just like the impact that having conversations with people creates. And if you can't be in a physical room with somebody, but you still want to learn from them, or you still want to kind of take some things from them to apply into your everyday life, podcasts give you that opportunity. And I'm a very auditory person. I learn through music. I learn through sound. And so myself, when I listen to podcasts, I feel so emotionally connected to the conversation and the people who are having the conversation to where it resonates and it sticks with me way more than maybe reading an article online. Reading an article online can still have the same impact if you're really truly engaged with the article and it's you know, structured in a way to really hold and maintain your, comp- uh, your attention. But podcasts, like when you get sucked in, you're sucked in. And so I just feel mm-hmm. that it creates a little bit more of a long lasting connection. And my clients and their perspective is they're pretty much on the same wavelength as I am that they know that they can talk about who they are, what they do for hours and hours and hours with high level energy, high level emotion. And then they can really bring that to their audiences that they want to connect with to again, build that attraction. So are you a big reader? I am. (laughs) That's interesting to me because I, it pains me to sit down and read a book. My attention span is not having it. Whereas I will crush through audiobooks, podcasts. I've got my arsenal of content I want to consume. And I think maybe because I have an aversion to be staring at something, I need like an eye break because design is so visual that actually using one of my other senses, it gives me almost a reprieve from straining my eyeballs. (laughs) Yeah. But you like reading. I do love reading. And it just almost kind of contradicts what I said, because I'm like, yes, if I'm listening to a podcast that I'm fully engaged, especially if it's a topic I want to tune in on, I'm fully there. But then when it comes to reading books, I retain the information so much more than getting on an audio book and listening to the audio version. I don't know what it is, but you know, I think we all can kind of connect with different forms of medium. It just really depends on what our bandwidth is that day, if we Mm -hmm. have the attention to give to it. And it does fluctuate. 
or learning how you like to learn, right? Yeah. Because so much of PR, and I'm sure we'll speak to this as well, is about educating, right? And serving people and giving them that transformation in a small amount of time or a small amount of words or a small amount of content. And then you know, pulling them back in. So if you know how you like to learn or how you like to absorb things, then it helps you kind of chart that path for how you want to consume, right? Um, but let's get into the branding, marketing, entrepreneurship questions. So we always hit these three as part of the podcast. And these three I wrote because they were my own curiosity. We covered this a little bit before we started recording, but I said, these are the big PR questions weighing on my mind for myself and on behalf of my clients. Um, so we'll dive into these. Uh, first one, as a PR pro, what does good branding mean to you and how important is voice and tone? And I want to cover why I asked this. As I said, there's so much more to branding than just the visuals, right? We know this, but really I feel that clients get super lost in their voice and tone because they forget that they're supposed to talk to the client and not just talk always as themselves. I'm curious if you run into this with your clients as well. Yeah. Well, I guess like the first touching point, I guess from, again, my perspective of branding and PR, I feel that they work simultaneously with one another. And I love how you touched upon, you know, branding from the brand voice and tone. I mean, that's all PR is. And so as a publicist, I have to kind of immerse myself in the client's story and what their impact is to almost where I become a part of it in order to be able to match and mirror that tone for the audience to kind of pick up on the cues and the way that we need to position it. So branding and PR are so heavily integrated and speaking a little bit about the trajectory again of how I got started, I essentially started off in branding with heavily Mm -hmm. influence from the PR side. So again, I think that they go simultaneously together and they almost need to each influence one another. Hmm. And I think that's the difference between branding that works well and branding that feels really off kilter or not a hundred percent. You can tell when there's not a correlation between those two things. Yeah. And sometimes we can't even put our finger on it, why it feels weird, but it's as if, you know, if you think of a celebrity that endorses a product, right? If that's, if you don't believe that that celebrity actually uses that product, now you're not really interested in buying the product, mm-hmm. right? Because the brand has to reflect the voice and tone and the tone and the voice have to reflect the brand. And so if there's this disconnect, it just feels so cheesy, right? Tone deaf. <laughs> totally, totally. The one that comes to mind is like the the classic tone deaf commercial is the Kendall Jenner with the Pepsi on the riots, like the front lines of the riots where she walks up to the cop and like hands the Pepsi, right? Oh and then everything is solved, right? What a disaster that ad was. But it's so crazy how many levels that had to get approved by for it to actually be to the point where it was consumerable, that's always blows my mind about PR. Yeah. Well, because, you know, thinking about the levels and each of the touching points of the people who were on that campaign, how did they mm-hmm. all come together? It's like, that's where you really sit with it, that it's like, well, if each person's working on a team and you have different personalities and different dynamics for a reason, because you want to be able to cover your basis and get well-rounded perspectives from different people. So how is it all collectively coming together to where, boom, finished product? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And how does that positively or negatively impact that brand, right? Here was a huge misstep. And now it became part of popular culture of how wrong that ad was. And if you haven't seen it, we'll link it in the show notes so you can go back and watch it. Um, But I think that's just a great example of PR maybe not doing so hot. Do you have an example off the top of your head? And I didn't prep you with this question of PR that you've seen recently that you thought was a slam dunk. Like, yes, this is absolutely what should have happened. And they made totally the right choice by hiring this person, doing this campaign or anything like that. Hmm. Nothing really comes top of mind. And oh, I really wish I had maybe some time to kind of really sit. No, no worries. No worries. One that I'm thinking of just because I'm really in the TikTok space is Remy Bader just got a partnership with Revolve to do a size inclusive line. Um, And she's a person that's been doing all of the realistic blah, blah, blah hauls, realistic Zara haul, realistic H&M haul, realistic where she's showing herself as an average sized woman in the U S statistically, 
trying on these clothes. And she's like, there's no hot clothes meant for my body. And I'm in my twenties and I want to look hot and there's nothing for me. And everyone was blowing up her comments when she did revolve, like a revolve review saying, you know, you should have a partnership with them. You should create your own line. And literally this week it like came to fruition and she announced that she has an entire line with revolve. And it's such a smart move by revolve because she's been going, she's part of their revolve team and has been going on all these revolve around the world trips And then, you know, the kind of the backlash was like, yeah, that's great. You're going, but like half of the clothes on their website don't even fit you. Like you can't even wear the product. Right. So really smart move by Revolve to be like, yep, we'll take you and we want your input and we want your brand on it essentially. And then bring that to fruition. And then now everybody who's supported her this whole time can celebrate her getting that. I love that. I think is a really smart one that just happened. Yeah. And I have something that kind of came through with that. And again, crisis communications is very much a part of what either a publicist or a PR agency or even brand managers these days, because they've become so integrated in the traditional moves of what PR represents. But I feel brands should be a little bit more open to taking things that could be a little bit more challenging that perceive as almost kind of crisis communications as a way for opportunity or a, a way for growth. And so if Revolve really wants to represent their brand and wants to represent their audiences, regardless of body shape, tone, whatever the specifics are, instead of being so stuck in an old, outdated way of managing their business, they saw it as an opportunity to grow with this individual. And I feel brands need to be a little bit more open to taking some potential criticism as a way to, for growth instead of just kind of shutting down and not being open to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because it gives you so much more, there's so much more emotional draw now to that brand. Because now it's not just buying the clothes, it's buying the clothes because you're supporting the mission, you're supporting the vision, you're supporting the goals of the company, which are to include people and to have it be a space for everyone. And I think that's a, always a really smart move. But let's kind of bring it back down to the type of clients you and I work with, because um, Revolve isn't one of my clients yet, um, but maybe someday. Um, and I wanted to ask, when it comes to partnerships, so a lot of PR is relationship management, right? It's about establishing the brand story, but also finding those partners or podcasts or news outlets or whatever to help tell the story or partnering two brands with each other to make, you know, whether it's an event or a campaign, whatever, make that thing, then tell a story as well. Um, when you're working with your clients, what are some of the red flags or green flags of when a partnership is the right fit for a brand? or individual. We can say that as well. Cause I know you work with a lot of like solopreneurs too. Yes. So I can think of one off the top of my head and maybe this will spur a story for you. So I was working with a brand whose ideal client was women in their fifties, sixties who had disposable income, who were super glamorous and they were going to be wearing, it was a piece of liftware, like liftware lingerie. Okay. And the premise was that they were going to be included in this like maker's market. And although we went and it was great and we had a display and it was awesome, the other vendors at the maker's market were very crafty and earthy. And these are handbags that are made in Guatemala. And these are hats that are made in Peru. And these are, and although it had a worldly feel, whoops, it wasn't the brand ideal client because the ideal client in the way that we described in the way that we made the branding was someone who is going to red carpet events, galas, weddings, big lifestyle moments. And they were investing in this $300 piece of shapewear to wear under a gown. Okay. So to go from like this gown, bridal, VIP, everything to like a maker's market where people had hemp tablecloths, it was a kind of a mismatch. And although it was worth the effort, the conversation I had with the client was like, listen, if we go this way, I think your effort would be better spent like contacting bridal salons, doing a pop-up event at Nordstrom, figuring out how you can do like a live shopping thing or a demonstration. Because although this felt like, oh, here's an opportunity for me to participate and get eyes on my brand, they weren't the eyes that you were after. And so it felt like a little bit of a mismatch from what the branding was to what the event was. Okay. So can you think of things that like might've been, or, or an example from a client you've worked with where they came to you with an idea and you're like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I can't really think of like a mismatch per se, but I can speak from having to really understand like outlets, their tone, their voice, the editors, what their tone and voice is and how that blends into the ultimate goal of matching that voice with my clients. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always attribute, and again, there's no like process to this. Cause again, it's like, it's my responsibility as a publicist and a conscious publicist at that to really understand first the client and what their message is before I even try to make an introduction with anybody who's going to help bring that story to the light. Um, and a lot of that is just like really intuition because I am constantly seeing editors. I'm constantly finding writers. I know what it is that I'm looking for because I spend so much time with my clients and really understanding what their needs are. So that way, when an introduction's made, it already makes sense. Right. And right. I can speak from just some feedback that I have received from one of my clients recently that they just know that they're like, we don't know how you do it but you just intuitively know how to make a connection that gets us the opportunity. So I have a a client who kind of has a body-based personality assessment. And I'm going to use them as an example because I've gone through the assessment. I've gotten identified through my natural number and I'm a natural number two. And natural number twos are just natural connectors. Like we know how to make a connection. We know how to hold the connection. So that way, if we're making any connection based off of someone else, the chances of that connection being strong and aligned and connected is more high than if they were to traditionally make the connection themselves. So my clients always say, and she's like, Ashley, when I try to follow up with any of the leads that we've received, it's crickets, but yet you come in with just a simple, basic follow-up and then they respond to you immediately. And I'm like, well, Uh I also just kind of know that who's going to be highly engaged when I first make that introduction versus somebody who there might have to be a little bit more leg Leg, room, leg work, leg work. Yes, that's what I was trying to think. I was like leg room, or like more work to do in order to get the response or get the connection. So, right, that is interesting how that works because I I feel that myself as well. Like, there's sometimes even there's people I interview on the podcast where as soon as we have a conversation, we both have a bajillion ideas, but then it's like one person gets busy, the next person gets busy, and it just falls off. Right. Yep. Versus other people, you can email them and they're like zing immediately get back to you. It's an interesting idea because I didn't ever credit that to, I guess, the energy that I bring into the conversation. I always consider things more external. Like, well, that's just the way that the calendar's lined up. But I think that you bring up a good point. Yeah, no, that that is a part of it. And I think when we get to this part of the conversation, there's always a mindset that you have Mm -hmm. to just really get to from PR, from managing an inbox to any type of communication, whether internally or externally. And I always speak to the mindset of PR that, you know, if you say, for instance, you have 15 podcasts that you want to pitch to and you send them all out within the first day or three and you don't get any responses, it's really easy for you to be like, oh, they're way too busy for me or my story's not good enough or my pitch was awful and I have to think about stressing about writing another pitch. And it's like, No, give people time, give them flexibility just because maybe they didn't respond like quickly or within the first like few weeks Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they'll never respond to you. And just getting to a place of trust and a place of acceptance that whenever that connection is ready to be made, it'll come to the forefront. And if it doesn't, then push that one aside and then move on to the next one. (laughs) Totally. You talk about pitching and I know you've got this whole pitching framework going on now. So crafting the purchase perfect pitch mindset of pitching, how to position yourself as not only a guest, but maybe position your brand or your company. Um, what are your, the biggest mistakes that you see somebody make when they start to pitch themselves? Oversharing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Tell me what that means to you. Oversharing. So oversharing is almost thinking that you have to come to the pitch and write every single accolade, how many years of business you've been in, what makes you the expert, why you need to be featured. Like pitches can get long. And I've even seen some pitches get long. I've seen them on the short end and I've seen them on the long end. And I do believe that there is this sweet spot where you can still speak to maybe the most important elements of what you want to portray or what you want to speak on about yourself. 
But the more that you speak on the value of what you're bringing to the table over all the accolades of who you are, what you do, all the credibility things that people get so heavy and stuck in right now from the authority and PR space. If you just bring it down to the value that you're bringing to that pitch and how it suits the audience of whatever medium you're pitching, that's where the sweet spot is. It's speaking to why you're the expert and what the value is that you're bringing, not so much of who you are, what you do, what makes you the expert. Right. It's not uh, why we should listen, but it's what you have to say. Mm -hmm. It's the content of what you have to say. And I see this so many times in the email inbox for the podcast. Someone will pitch and it's clearly someone's VA or assistant that says, hi, Michelle, so-and-so loves your content. And this person doesn't even follow me. (laughs) And I said, I find that really hard to believe considering they don't follow me. Another major mistake, don't lie. (laughs) Like That's always crazy to me um, where, you know, they've built an audience of 1.5. I actually got this in an email. She's built an audience of 1.5 million followers on Instagram. And I go, "Mm, okay. So I go over to her Instagram page. Sure enough, within the first five seconds, I can find fake accounts. Like you purchase your followers. And I am the person, rookie move. I'm the person that I cannot get those pitch emails and not respond to them in a very, very specific, maybe somewhat snarky way where I say, listen, super appreciate the effort. I'm so glad that you um, say you enjoy my podcast, but this guest that you're pitching, number one, doesn't follow me. Number two, has had no made no effort to create a relationship with me or say anything about the podcast that they've enjoyed or gained value from. They basically, you just rolled into my inbox and say, she wants to talk about this on your platform and did not make it of value to me whatsoever. And then the last thing, as a branding and marketing podcast, I can't have guests on my podcast that don't walk the walk. You can talk the talk all day long, but if you're not walking the walk and you're buying your Instagram followers, it's immediately no, like immediately no, I'm not having you on my podcast. And so I'm the person that gives like very blunt feedback to pitches because it drives me insane. (laughs) Absolutely insane. I can't just like let it die in my inbox. I have to tell them this is exactly why I would not consider you for the podcast. Because pitching, although it is a numbers game and you got to, you know, you, you send out a hundred emails, you maybe get 10 responses, you maybe get two that follow through. I think you can really easily detect when someone's pitching in a lazy way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things that, that if you're going to make the effort to do it, like all things in life, give it a solid effort and your effort, although you may not have volume will drive dividends if you do it in a correct way. There's something I've been dying to tell you about, and it's something that I'm keeping on the hush-hush. So like, don't tell everybody, okay? One of the things I notice with our brand design clients is that they go through the brand design process and they get all their new logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons, everything. And then they're not totally sure how they're supposed to be using them on social media. Enter the one-on-one Kiss My Assets Canva Sprint Day. I know that's a mouthful. Stay with me. Basically, this is a three-hour session with me that is part assets, part strategy, part clarity, and low-key Canva training on how to use all of your brand elements together to make templates that you can then DIY for your biz. So think post templates, stories, graphics, email graphics, anything that you are going to be making on a regular basis on behalf of your business, we can create them together in a three-hour sprint inside your Canva account. You can walk away with those templates right at the end of the session and put them straight to use. These can be booked on my website. There are only a limited number of spots per month to book the one-on-one day. And the link that you're going to want to look for is mkwcreative.co slash kissmyassets. That's mkwcreative.co slash kiss, K-I-S-S, my assets, A-S-S-E-T-S. Get it? Like social assets. Kiss my ass. You know, we're being funny. We're a little cheeky. Uh, But the plan here is to really create as much content for you as we possibly can so that you can go out there and DIY your brand in the best bragworthy version of what you envision for your business and really kind of get those clients rolling in. Check that out. Book it online. You can book it anytime. There are a limited number of spots per month. So if I were you, I'd get on it sooner rather than later. Back to the episode. What are some of the things that you help your clients through in the crafting the perfect pitch section of this conscious conversations effort? Yeah. And I speak to 
so many different points, probably points that people don't even think about from pitching podcasts. But again, I have a pretty unique way of like how I just observe and try to make a connection if I've never met somebody before. And that's what a publicist and a PR agency does. Do they know editors, writers, hosts? Yes, that's their job to make a a relationship. But sometimes you have to have the confidence and the gumption to try to make a cold relationship with somebody and do it in a very holistic way. And so I speak in the podcast pitching bundle elements of like doing your due diligence or doing your research before you even sit down to pitch. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that numbers trap of being like, okay, well, I need to sit down, think about 15 hosts that I want to pitch, craft the pitch, send it out to every single one of them and just wait for their responses. But it's like, mm, if you get no responses to those 15 pitches, was all the effort that you did in the beginning worth it? No, because you just missed Mm-mm. out on probably four to five hours of work and have no result. Whereas if I'm reaching out to an editor and I have a very maybe thought provoking angle that I would love to pitch from my client's perspective to an article that they've already written. I actually spend time reading about three or four articles of each editor before I pitch them to understand how my client even fits into that. Now that's a lot Mm -hmm. of energy from me to sit down and like really Mm -hmm. dive into four pieces of content. But if that's the work that I need to do in that due diligence process, the chances are when I send that pitch to where it directly aligns to that person and the kind of pieces that they already are circulating, the chances are if they were to get that pitch and read it, it would make sense to where they wouldn't be like, who is this woman? And why would she even pitch me this thing? And I'm just going to delete it. Chances are editors and writers, they don't respond. They just delete it. They don't give feedback. (laughs) Like you, yeah, (laughs) like for wasting my time, not even going to get past the introduction. I'm going to delete it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which does happen of course as well. So some of the like some of the the safeguards or fail proofing of your process comes from research, yeah. which is a big part of my design process as well. It's why we present logos on the one concept method. I'm not going to show you 16 different versions of your logo. I'm going to show you the one that I think is the best. And I'm going to go all in on the idea that I think is the best, and then we'll go from there. And I think that approach to business ownership, although it does take more work on the front end, like you said, the payout is much higher because Mm -hmm. you've padded yourself against, you've insulated yourself from the wasted time because you just tried to get something done quickly. Yeah. Right. Um, I think a lot of people make that mistake in pitching. Yeah. There's two other points that I think would be really important to speak to that. And so say for instance, again, looking at that editor example, Mm -hmm. like reading four pieces of their content, If there's something that was written or a a piece that really resonates most with the pitch of my client, I'll actually put that in the introduction. And the whole goal, and again, thinking about this example that you expressed, they were like, okay, if we speak to how much we resonate with the content and how much we love it, chances are she'll want to read the pitch more in hopes to seal the deal. Sadly, they didn't execute it in the right way because you actually did your due diligence and being like, well, if they don't follow me, how do they really like the content? Well, I take a little bit more time to maybe pull away from the pitch per se and speak to the points of the article that resonated most with me and how that connects to my client and the media topics or the pitch that they want to bring to the limelight to make that connection in hopes for her or he to write about it. And so I'll actually... Mm -hmm put that in the pitch and again, pull so much of the pitch about the client and make that more about the writer, what they're writing on and how to make that connection. And so, yeah, there's also just this, I guess, point three to that is there's this kind of energetic connection. So that way, when I do get a response, there's no more convincing that needs to come from me because I've already addressed the connection. I've pitched the client. I've pitched what they speak on that makes sense to that person. So that way, when they're ready to take that opportunity further, next, we're getting to the booking. They're sending me questions. Then we get the piece. There's no more work that needs to be done. There's no more convincing. Yeah. (laughs) In my mind, I'm picturing you as like a lawyer showing up to court. (laughs) You wouldn't show up to court without all of your points made, your arguments written out, your paperwork filed, because you'd look like a fool. <laughs> like, you can't stand in front of the judge and be like, 
Um, well, I think I'm just going to say this. It's like, no, 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 no. Come prepared. Be ready with your case file. Go to the person that you're trying to make an appeal to and say this, 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 case in point, case in point, case in point, case in point. <laughs> and then you've got a slam dunk, right? And we're not wasting time with the, are you serious about this or not? You want to always show up into a pitch with like, this is a no brainer. That's the reaction that you want to garner from the other person. And this just happened literally last night on my Instagram live or my TikTok live. I was live on TikTok blah, 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 working on some stuff, showing some behind the scenes process. And someone messaged in the DMs or in the feed. Um, are you hiring? Because I really want a remote job. And I said, hold the phone. Everybody stop. Everyone stop. Here's my issue with that. You did not make that appealing to me at all. You said, are you hiring? AKA, can you pay me? Because I want to work from home. <laughs> That does not solve any problems for my business whatsoever, other than tell me that you're completely self-serving in this moment because you did not, what? Like that's, this is not how the world works, you guys. And I didn't know if this person was like a college student or younger. I hope they're younger and that they, but I served it to them. And I said, listen, the best way to get hired by me is solve a problem. If you go to my website and you say, you know what, Michelle, I've noticed that none of your images on your entire website have any metadata information that would help with your SEO ranking. I've done this for X, Y, and Z client, garnered them these results. And for this price, I'd like to do this for you on a provisional 90-day contract. Slam dunk. <laughs> Slam dunk. I would hire you on the spot, but I'm not going to hire you because you'd like, hi, are you hiring? I'd like a remote job. <laughs> what? <laughs> like identify the problem prove how you can solve the problem and provide a solution to said problem. And then we can talk. Absolutely. Like I would entertain that for sure. But I think that now the culture, the workplace culture, the gig economy culture, there's just a lot of language that we forget that we're still trying at the end of the day, we're all in the business of helping people. Mm -hmm. And so if you can prove how you can help someone get from point A to point B, that's a much easier course than just saying, I do stuff. This person didn't even say they do stuff. They just said, I'd like to get paid to not have to go into an office. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, so would everyone. Like, I don't know what you want me to do with that information. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It that was kind of me too as my recruiting manager. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I need you to like, go find somebody for me. Yeah, no, it's it's really tricky because I think, again, that in itself is a pitch, regardless of how casual it is. Like, yeah, yeah it's TikTok Live. You only have so many characters. But if you really wanted to pitch something, I don't think that the, you're limited by modality. You are going to be held to the flames if you communicate poorly. You know, like there's no way that you can't like you can make connections in person. You can make connections to the DMs, through Twitter, through TikTok, whatever. You can connect with people, of course. But the way that you choose to communicate how you wish to connect, I think can either open doors or close them very quickly. Yeah. What do you think about that? Agreed. And I don't know if this is like on topic or not. We've had this conversation in the DMs. So sometimes I'll get DMs, especially on Instagram. It doesn't happen anywhere else. But on Instagram, I'll get occasional messages because I don't know where people have thought that publicists and PR agencies are responsible for getting the blue tick on oh, yeah. social media. And so I've gotten some DMs of people asking like, Hey, can you help get me verified? And like you were saying, I'll go over to their profile. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm just curious. I'm curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you even do? Like, yes, you have an Instagram platform and it looks like you have, you know, some decent engagement, maybe doesn't really match up to the followers, but that's always interesting and causes some speculation half the time. But I'm like, well, why do you want to get verified? Like, what else do you do other than this social media clout that mm -hmm. like you think is there? So I never respond to them. And sometimes I get a little conflicted that I'm like, oh, should I respond? And I'd be like, oh, no, sorry, that isn't my specialty. At least be nice. But I'm like, no, I know what's worth my time and what's not. And that's an immediate delete <laughs> in my yeah. Absolutely. We both talked before we started recording about being human design, like projectors, yep. um, which is you can speak way more to it than I can. So maybe you can give us a brief definition. Um, but I think a lot of what at least I deal with is which energy I want to absorb and which I want to expel. Right. So it's this like constant fluctuation between is this worth my effort or is it not worth my effort? And where am I going to put my effort today? And 
And I didn't, you're way nicer than me, but on the live, I was like, I can't pass this opportunity to course correct because like, I don't want people thinking that this is okay. So I went all in, but explain the projector human design stuff and how that relates to entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think you spoke to projectors very well. It's like, again, understanding yourself and what's a better use of your energy versus others. And sometimes the people who don't resonate with that, they're going to maybe want your time and your energy. And you're just like, "Mm, something doesn't really feel right about this. I'm going to kind of do my own thing. And usually the ones who are trying to overstep the use of the energy have some sort of response when you're trying to take your energy back. That's just kind of like the name of the game. And that happens in business on the online platforms. It's just a part of life and the journey. But I guess from my understanding of working with human design, and I do have a colleague who specializes in human design, and I just think it's an incredible way to one, understand yourself and also understand who are the better collaborators that are really going to push the needle for you. And the thing about projectors, from what I've understood, at least from myself, is sometimes we need to be invited to show up in the right partnership And we could be invited to a lot of different partnerships and there's probably a handful that are good fits, but then there's also the handful that aren't a good fits and no one's right or wrong, but really understanding and feeling out which ones are better suited and better aligned with your energy are better than others. And so just using that time and that space to understand if you are invited to something, understand which one is a better suit for you. And it's, it's okay if it takes some time for you to feel out. Totally. And understanding also as an entrepreneur that you write the script for how you want people to react to your brand or interact with your brand. And this is one of the earliest lessons that my mom really taught me with my Facebook group. My mom grew her Facebook group, which is for interior design tips within the neighborhood of San Diego. She grew that group way before I ever started Kiss My Aesthetic. So when I decided, okay, I'm going to start a Facebook group, she told me like, what you allow will persist. So if you allow people to do self-promotion spam style posts, then that's going to be what your group is going to turn into. So having really clear guidelines, having really clear rules and really clear expectations then sets the stage for what people find is worthy or not of, of belonging in that space. And as the business owner, you do have a lot of control or more control over that than you think. And so that's, I think, to go back to that comment I made about the person that was on the live that said, um, you know, I'd like to work an online job. It's like, that to me was such a learning moment because I know that there were other eyes and ears on that live that have followed me in other things. And so I was like, I have to take this and make an example of it. Like I have to pause and like make this known because I want this space. I want when somebody shows up to my lives or to my Facebook group or to my content or wants to work with me that I'm going to be like as honest and direct as possible. Those are two values that are really, really, really important. And I think that's why the group has sustained and grown the way that it has is because there is a level of professionalism. It's casual, it's fun, it's friendly, but there's no bullshit going on in the Kiss My Aesthetic group. Like we are here, for, this is strictly business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's community building, but it's not It's not a the wild, wild west. So you're a member of the Facebook group. I am. You had a great little story about it beforehand. So I'd love to know like what, how often you pop in, like what kind of value you gain from the group. Um, just again, I'm just curious. Yeah, so. I guess just to start, my Facebook primarily is just Facebook groups. And again, like yep, same. talking about how much attention and energy I want to be conscious of myself, kind of unfollowed a lot of the things that don't really serve me, have the groups and the activity on the feed that does suit kind of the needs and the the growth and projection that I'm moving in both personally and professionally. And so I think I only have three or four top Facebook groups that pop up and the kiss my aesthetic group is the first one that usually pops up. Heck yeah. Yeah. And again, like I, as somebody who again, finds a way to connect with people online through a medium, through technology, the same way as I would connect with somebody in person, you do bring a level of like high energy. And that's what the the story that I was speaking to, it was before you started the podcast and you're like, hey, getting ready to launch a podcast. Who else has thought about launching one? And I'm like, yeah, I've like tiptoed around it a few times. I've never really given myself the permission to like really own it and do it. And just the level of excitement and energy that you brought to the response, I was like, yes. 
And like that (laughs) sticks in my mind to this day. And so again, that speaks to building a, a high level connection with somebody, even through the smallest form of communicating. And that's like, and I can tell you it was a hundred percent genuine and it still is a hundred percent genuine. Like I get so excited and maybe this is part of the projector superpower is I get so excited for other people's success. I get so lit up about other people being successful. And this is why I'm always trying to help people start businesses, especially my friends and family. This is my kiss of death statement is me saying, well, what you could do is and full business plan. And I will be like, and then you can do this and then you can do this and then you can have an event to do this and then you can launch that and then you can have this product and then you can make so much money and then you wouldn't have to work the rest of your life. (laughs) It absolutely overwhelms them sometimes. Like even my clients, like we'll finish the branding. I just did this this week too. finish the branding. And I said, you know, what you could do is you could sell craft kits that then speak to your client and they could buy, you could purchase the kit and imagine if they were going on vacation and they could buy the vacation kit from you. And then there's this whole connection between the memories they're making and your brand and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, whoa. (laughs) She goes, I don't think I'm there yet. She's like, I love where your head's at, but I don't think I'm there yet. Um, so it's what your, what is your superpower is also your Achilles heel, right? Do you have that kind of relationship with your clients or do you see yourself as a projector where you get so excited about an idea and the other person's like, whoa, 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 hold the phone. (laughs) Well, um, And I don't know if there's like a best way to say this, but it's like, I will always be a recovering people pleaser because of that. Like I get so connected in some other people's visions. Cause again, like if I can do something for myself and I've seen where I've gotten, I just want to pour and flood other people with that to where it's like almost I'm holding the vision for them more than they're even mm-hmm. like, there mm-hmm. yet. And I'll like really get so intertwined in it that if something's not moving, they're like, oh, okay, we're still figuring it out. But I'm like, no, there needs to be a transformation and a breakthrough like now. And then I get discouraged because I was I'm up here and then they're still trying to catch up to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. That you could have pulled that right from my brain. I'm I feel like, that, exactly. that an effective way to say that because I'm like totally totally there's not really the best way to lead into that but it speaks truth but it's not even it's not even so much for pleasing the other person for me I find it as I see everyone to have so much freaking potential that I almost get so jazzed up for them to where it's like it's on crack cocaine like I I joke with my family like if, if anybody ever tried to put me on drugs or Adderall like I would be a menace to society (laughs) Because I'm already operating at like battery 100, like most days. And so I think that my lesson for myself and my reflection as I've gotten older is giving people grace and space that they're not all going to arrive at the the vision that I see for them at the time that I'm seeing it, right? So, so, and not being upset or not feeling hurt if they don't decide to then take that course of action, because that's the recovering people pleaser part is like you see so much potential and you see such a vision, you see such a future for someone's brand or their idea or just them as an individual that there's now this dissonance between your vision and their reality. Yeah. And like, who are we to be mad at? We can't be mad at them. It's a vision that we created in our head that they're not living up to. So that that's not their fault. And that lesson, man, that's a doozy. That's a doozy to learn. It is. And it's almost like I spoke to the recovering part of that because luckily I've moved past that. I think that that was Mm -hmm. like my first like one to three year and then started moving out of that. I just had my six year anniversary a couple of days ago. Amazing. But I've pivoted and I still feel it's all connected within those, those six years. But speaking to like, who do you help? Like there's Mm -hmm. this, this external exterior level of who I work with, but there's also this level of internal characteristics and things that speak to their journeys where my clients have already gone through all of those like similar mistakes or similar things to where they live in a place of trust that if things are ready to come to the surface, they'll come to the surface when they're ready. But then we go back to the relation part of thing and fighting and figuring out solutions to kind of push the needle forward. Yeah. All that makes so much sense. We are just, I knew we would talk forever. This always happens on the freaking podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, like 35 minutes, no problem. But we just get going on an idea and then, you know, can't stop myself. So rapid fire round, three questions left. 
Um, one, what makes your brand bragworthy? My brand personally? Your personal brand, yes. I think what makes my brand bragworthy is I always speak to the conscious part of life and how it connects to business. And that's conscious mindsets, conscious relationships, acknowledging shadow periods and when things don't go so well, but then also what's left to discover on the other side of that. So I always speak to the ebbs and flows of everything. I feel that that love it. It connects to the conscious part. And I think that's ragworthy. What's one thing you do extraordinarily well. And what's one thing you'd like to get better at? One thing I do extremely well, we've touched upon this, but I just know how to position things. I know how to position people. I know how to position language to where I don't need to spend a lot of time rewriting or recrafting or reconfiguring the wheel. I just do what feels good and run with it and it sticks. And one thing I do better is maybe set a better organization because I move through a lot of different platforms and I'm all over the place. I have like 25 tabs open that I struggle with. But if you're a projector, I mean, come on. If you're a projector and you're a big picture visionary person and you're that maverick personality on the predictive index, which I bet that you are, you're again, your superpower is your Achilles heel in that you think so big picture that you're so big picture that little teeny tiny details, at least for me, they bore the crap out of me. <laughs> So the first team members I ever brought on were to help me with like the little teeny tiny details that like were necessary evils, but the ones that just drove me nuts because it just felt like, oh, I could be doing so many other things in my brain right now than doing file logo exports. Like that (laughs) drove me insane. So I hired someone that that's their whole job is just to do the export part, which is great. But yeah, I, I totally feel you on that one. The organization and the systems and the processes as regimented as you try to be, I'm just like, Who has time for this? (laughs) Table flip, right? Um, Where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you, take advantage of that pitch podcast and conscious conversation resources? Um, Where can they connect? Yeah. So I'm going through a pretty big revamp. I say I pivoted a lot. Okay. Good. Um, But I am relaunching a whole new platform uh, here soon that I'm not officially ready to announce, but you'll start to see that there is going to be some fluctuations. I do have some announcements coming soon, but you can find me online still at yourbrandista.com. That's all the things. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. And we'll make sure that gets linked in the show notes too. Thank you so much, Ashley. It was so good chatting with you. Likewise. Oh, so excited. Perfect. <laughs> Talk soon. Bye. Thanks guys. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.